Good morning again. I uh, hope everyone is doing well. Merry Christmas. Um, we are beginning our Christmas series, Christmas 2023 series called The Carols of Christmas. And we're going to be unpacking some of the most traditional Christmas carols that probably I can think of. Um, and we're going to be kind of learning like the theology behind them and what makes them so powerful. Um, really quickly, when I was asking people uh, about like what their favorite Christmas songs were, uh, I asked one person and they were like, well, I like them all. And I thought it was a cop out. But the more people I talked to, they, the same answer, I like them all, duh. You know, that's what Heather said. I like them all, Pastor Ryan, duh. I'm like, oh, I guess that's a thing, you know? So um, I'm, I'm excited about this um, series um, because I think it's going to help us understand um, what Christmas is all about even better. So uh, before we get started, I wanted to invite Chelsea and um, Heather back up. And we're gonna do something. Um, we're gonna do something a little different than uh, we normally do, um, because we're examining a Christmas carol um, today. We're examining "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." We just sang it, but I want to bring it back to the front of our mind, and I want us to really, really dwell on it, really meditate on the lyrics. You feel free to sing along, but also feel free to stay seated. Um, they're going to lead us in this song, um, and. Um, I just want us to really pay attention to the words. So, ladies. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile. Until the Son of God appears, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to Say, 
Can we give it up for them? Awesome. Thank you, guys. So this hymn is considered to be one of uh, the Latin hymns, and that's because um, it comes from a period in church history where a lot of the hymns and historical documents were written in Latin. So um, it's considered a Latin hymn. It was initially written in the ninth century, um, so like in the 800s AD, and um, in the original like construction of it, it had seven sentences that were sung as an antiphon. Now an antiphon is just a theological declaration that's sung. So, um, and it was sung during the Advent season, during Christmas, and those seven sentences were these. So I'm not gonna try to say the whole thing because I don't speak Latin. It's O Sapientia, O Adonai, O Radis Hesi, O Clavis David, O Oriens, O Rex, and O Emmanuel. So these seven sentences were the original O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. They were sung during the Advent season in uh, churches all across the world. Uh, aside from being an old hymn um, that's been translated and modified throughout the years, like, I want to ask the question, what does it have to teach us? What is this... What does this hymn, what does this Christmas song have to teach us? This hymn, it helps root us in the Old Testament. It helps, it helps us uh, understand that the Old Testament is, is centered on Jesus. It's centered on the coming of the Messiah. By design, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is full of references to the Messiah, to, to the coming Savior. Um, it's sometimes hard for Christians to understand the Old Testament. It's sometimes hard for us to kind of wrap our mind around it, that it still matters and all that. But this old Christmas hymn was, was meant to help us understand it. It was meant to help us understand that portion, that portion of God's word. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 says this, And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ everything in heaven and on earth. When we begin to see the Old Testament as God's plan to introduce us to the coming Messiah, when we begin to see the Old Testament as God's plan to, to, to introduce humanity to its Savior, then we can begin to see the Old Testament as more than history. We can begin to see the Old Testament as more than just a uh, history of Israel in the ancient world. It's so much more than that. The Old Testament becomes a, a way for us to see the glory of Jesus in the promises that predicted his coming. And this is a plan that even the angels were excited to see unfold. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 says this, and it is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. 
the author of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, wanted us to grow in the knowledge of the Old Testament, wanted us to grow in the knowledge of the promises of the coming Savior. And that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at these promises mentioned in, the, in this hymn, um, the, the uh, seven sentences. We're not going to do all seven, but I'm going to do five of the seven sentences of the original construction of the song. The first promise I want to look at today is this. The promise of Emmanuel. The promise of Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says this. All right then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. This is what life is all about in the world of the Bible. This is what life was all about back then in that, in that culture, was being as close to your God as possible. It didn't matter the religion. That's what everybody wanted. How can I be as close to my God as possible? So um, outside of the Bible, what, what uh, other religions would do is when they wanted to be close to their God, they would create an idol or a little statue, and they would take that statue, and they would put it in um, a temple devoted to their God, and they would say, this is our God, and he is close to us now, or this is our God, and she is close to us now, and they thought like that was being close to their God. Well, in the, in the Bible, the Israelites longed to be near God, and guess what? God actually longed to be near them. So God actually created a way in the book of Exodus. He created a way. He gave them instructions to build a space so that he could be close to them. He could live among them. And he did. Numbers chapter 14, verse 14 says this. The Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land who have already heard that you live among your people. So so everybody knew God lived among the Israelites. Every, it was known everywhere. Everybody in, this, in the world of the Bible knew God lived among his people. He did what he said he was going to do. For hundreds of years, he lived among them. And, and, and God was in the temple, and the people were around the temple, and that's how they lived. But that wasn't good enough for God. That wasn't good enough. He wanted to be even closer to his people. It wasn't, it wasn't good enough for him to just be among them, for, for him to be over here and them to be over here. He wanted to be with his people. He wanted to walk around with them. He wanted to eat meals with them. He wanted to cry with them. He wanted to hug them. He wanted to live life with his people. So what did he do? He sent his son to be born into the world that he created so that he could be as close to his people as possible. And that's what Emmanuel is. That's what it means for God to be with us. That he, he longs so much to be near us that he took on a human form so that he could be with us. God longs to be close to you. And through the birth of Jesus, he promises he always will be. O come, O come, Emmanuel. So the first promise is the promise of Emmanuel, that God will always be with us. The next promise is the promise of the branch of Jesse. The promise of the branch of Jesse, or the, the I think the song said the, the root of Jesse. 
Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. The stump is referring to Jesse, who is King David's father. King David was the greatest king in the history of Israel. Jesse was his father. Um, and, and the prophet Isaiah begins describing a new emergence from this like once cut off Jesse. Like the, the, the pictures of a tree that has been chopped down, yet life remains in the stump. The picture that, that the, the scriptures are creating is, is a tree that's been chopped down. It, it looks like Jesse's line is done. It looks like King David's line is done. But in the stump, there's still life. And in that, in that stump, life is going to grow into a new branch that's going to turn into a tree. New growth begins to emerge. God's promise to David was that his house and his kingdom would be established forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16 says, Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. Even when the line of David seems to come to an end, the remnant survives and the promise continues. The promise is not broken. New growth will spring up from the seemingly dead, st dead stump to become a strong tree bearing fruit. And this strong tree bearing fruit is the Messiah, is Jesus. The strong, strong tree bearing fruit will be the hope of all of humanity. The promise of the branch of Jesus means victory. It means victory for you. It means victory for me. When a king's throne is established, it means that um, he rules and reigns. When a, when a king's throne, when it said a king's throne is established, it means he rules and he, he reigns. It means that he doesn't have to do any more work, that he's, he did all the work, and now he just gets to rule everything, right? And through the birth of Jesus, our king's throne has been established forever, which means we win doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter what trials you face or, or what circumstances come. We win. O come, O come, Emmanuel. So the first promise is the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. The second promise is the, the promise of the branch of Jesus. We have victory in him. The next promise I want to look at today is the promise of day spring. The promise of day spring. Luke chapter 1 verse 78 says this, Through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. This is a fancy way of saying uh, the light of heaven, right? Jesus is the day spring. Jesus is the light of heaven. And he's come to show us the way to God. He's come to show us the way to eternal life. See, all of humanity is trapped in darkness, and all of humanity was, was blind because of darkness, and Jesus came to light up the darkness so that we could see our way to God. That's what it means for him to be dayspring. That's what it means for him to be the light of heaven. Just like the sunrise breaks through the night, so the birth of Jesus broke through the darkness of sin and death. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus makes this claim himself. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus makes it 
really clear. He leaves no doubt. He says, I'm here so you don't have to be in darkness. I'm here so you don't have to wander around anymore, feeling your way around, trying to just make it. I'm here so that you can have the best possible life here now. And, and he doesn't just bring light for the sake of things being lit up. He brings light so that we can find God. He brings light so that we can find our way to the heavenly Father. This hymn is a promise that God, through the, through the birth of Jesus, has shown us a way to get to him. O come, O come, Emmanuel. So the first promise, the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. The second promise, uh, the branch of Jesus. We win in him. We have victory in him. The third promise is the promise of day spring. The way, the way to God has been shown to us. The fourth promise I want to talk about today is this. The promise of the key of David. The promise of the key of David. Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22 says this. I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. Uh, I already talked about David a little bit. I already talked about the house of David a a little bit uh, when I talked about the branch of Jesus. Um, The king's throne is established forever. It's established forever, but, but through the birth of Jesus, the door to the throne room has been opened to everyone. So in a typical kingdom... Not everybody has access to the king. Actually, very few people have access to a king. But in the kingdom of God, the birth of Jesus opened the door that every person who desires it now has access to the living God. Now has access to the God of the direct access. There's no more uh, ritual animal sacrifices. There's no more going to your local prophet to hear from God. You can get on your knees right now and pray to God right now and hear from God right now. Direct access to God whenever we want. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says, so so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Direct access. You don't need me to have access to God. You have it right now if you want it. I don't think a lot of people can can fully wrap their heads around that idea, so I'll I'll put it in a little bit different terms. Imagine having access to the most powerful person in the world. Hey, Joey. Joey Biden. Good to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, I'm calling you on your personal cell phone. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know, like, I'm going to be dropping by this week. We can catch up, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I'll be in your neck of the woods. I'll see you then, right? Like, Direct access. Could you imagine having direct access to the President of the United States? It'd be crazy, right? There are very few people who have direct access to the President, regardless of your feelings about him. Very few people have access to that that, uh, position. What Jesus did for us with God is that on a way bigger scale. Way bigger scale. We have direct access to the creator of the universe. In, in our wisdom, or in our culture, it's, it's wisdom to take the approach that um, not everybody deserves access to you. That's an actual, that's an actual, um, like, kind of, like, self-help 
leadership lesson. Like you need to be careful with who you give access to your life. Not everybody deserves access to you when it comes to your time, when it comes to your energy, when it comes to your focus. Like people have to earn the right to get to you. And I want to read you actually a little uh, blurb that I read about this in an online article. It says, we live in a society where attention is the highest commodity and distractions, stressors, and demands for our bandwidth are only going to increase from here. That's why we must protect ourselves and only allow in people, content, and opportunities that truly serve us. Unless it makes you a better person, more money, and or helps you significantly, you do not have time for it, and that's okay. Thank God he doesn't take that approach to us. Thank God he doesn't take that approach. To, if God took that approach to us, no one, had, well, no one would have access to him because nobody adds value to him. Nobody can help him. Thank God he doesn't take that approach to us. He has opened the door. He has kicked open the door and propped it open that we would have access to him anytime we want. And the birth of Jesus started it all. The promise the first promise is the promise of Emmanuel. The second promise is the promise of the branch of Jesus. We have victory in him. The third promise is the promise of Dayspring. The fourth promise, the promise of the key of David. And finally, the promise of the coming Lord. O come, O come, Emmanuel helps us understand the promise of the coming Lord. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In a number of places in the Old Testament, Jesus is called Lord. There's a number of different places. I don't have time to list them all. But that word uh, translated as Lord is, is, in the original language, it's kurios, and it's a translation of the divine name for God. So when people use that word, kurios, in the, Old, or in the New Testament to talk about Jesus, they're, they're actually making the correlation that he is God. He is the Son of God. Lord is the name of God in the Old Testament that would be applied to Jesus in the New Testament. You might hear this and think, like, Pastor Ryan, didn't you just go through this when talking about Emmanuel, talk about God with us? Not exactly. God being with us is one thing. God ruling and reigning is a completely different thing. Jesus as Lord has become a cliche in our culture. Like, I mean, it's on billboards, it's on bumper stickers. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. But it's a huge statement that has a ton of meaning, whether it's cliche or not. When the apostle Thomas saw the resurrected Jesus and he put his finger in the hole in his hand, he said, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Um, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus himself makes the claim that he is he's Lord. He, uh, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Lord. Peter recognizes the lordship of Jesus in his first sermon. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, it says, So let everyone in Israel know, uh, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Lord and Savior. 
And then Peter again, and later in the book of Acts, he, he makes the declaration again. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Lord of all. He has authority over everything. He has authority over everyone. That's what it means to be Lord. And that's the promise that O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is declaring. That this, this Savior, this Messiah that's been born is going to have control over everything. There's nothing outside of his control. There's nothing that surprises him. He has authority over everything. And this is what the Old Testament was pointing to. And this is what the birth of Jesus accomplished. Worship team, you can come to the platform. O come, O come, Emmanuel. God with us. Um, it's so much more meaningful than I ever knew. Um, when I was uh, when I was young, I shared this with, with some of the, the team earlier. Um, when I was younger, I went to Catholic school, and I, I did, I think it was like six or seven years of Catholic school from kindergarten to sixth grade or whatever. Um, and every year we would do, in, in December, we would do a, a Christmas concert, and every year we sang the same songs, and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel was one of them. And I used to know all the words, used to have them memorized because we did it every year and whatever. Um, and I really liked the song. I used to know all the words, but I never knew what it meant until now. I never knew what it really meant until now. God with us and the statement that is and the, the hope that, that comes with that. God being with us. It's much more meaningful, like I said, than I ever knew. What are the ramifications of, of God being with us? What are the ramifications for our lives? God with us means we never have to be alone. It means we never have to go through anything alone. It means no matter what you've been through, no matter what um, job transition, no matter what money you've lost, no matter what death you've had to endure, God has been with you the entire time. You never have to go through anything alone because he is always with us. It means that no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens, we win. That's what Emmanuel means. That's what O Come, O Come, Emmanuel means. That's what God with us means. No matter what comes our way, no matter what we face, we win. God with us means that the darkness has been lit up and we don't have to wander our way through, through the darkness anymore because Jesus has lit it up. We've been shown the way to God. We've been shown the way to eternal life. It means that we now have direct access to the God of the universe. God with us means that we can rest easy knowing that God is in control. We can rest easy knowing that God's got it. That God has authority over everyone and everything. Again, there's nothing outside of his authority, nothing outside of his say-so. We can rest in that. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And all this is possible. All of this is, is, is a reality because of the birth of a baby boy named Jesus. What we're going to do right now, 
I want to pray in just a minute, but after we pray, the worship team is going to lead us in the song again. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. It might seem a little bit like overkill, but I want us to get this into our souls today. I don't want, I don't want this to just be another song. I want us to understand what it means for our life. So I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to lead us. Feel free to sing along, but feel, feel free if you want to, to sit and meditate on, on what this song actually means. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. And thank you, God, that you're with us. Thank you that you're with us, that you want to be near us. Thank you, God, for the promises, the promises that come with your, the, the birth of your son. I pray, God, that as we sing these lyrics, but not just, not just as we sing them, but God, as we go throughout our day today, as we continue on in our week, that this would come to mind over and over, that you are with us. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, worship team, lead us this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you've made a way for us to get to you. And it was all possible because of the birth of your son, the reason for the season, God. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, God. Keep that at the front of our mind this week as we go throughout our, our, our normal weekly functions as we, you know, go to work, as we go to school, as we bring our kids to their things. Like, God, bring that to mind that you are with us. Before we're dismissed this morning, um, I just have a few next steps that I want to challenge us with. And these next steps are just tangible things that we can do, little, little things that we can do to take the message and try to apply it to our life this week. So the first one is, each day this, this week, I will take time to meditate on the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Like I said, I've, I've known this hymn pretty much my whole life, but I've never really understood the, the meaning of it. So powerful. This week, number two, this week I'll memorize Isaiah 7, 14. All right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then finally, this week, I'll invite someone to join me at Anchor as we examine the Christmas carol, Joy to the World. That's our next carol uh, next week is Joy to the World. So um, invite someone. Some people, people are way more open to saying yes to coming to an invitation or an invitation to come into church during the Christmas season. So this would be an easy way to invite some friends or family. So uh, let me say one last prayer and we can be dismissed. God, thank you. We love you. We're so grateful that you made a way for us to get to you, that, that you are with us. It wasn't, it wasn't good enough for you to just be near. You wanted to be with you wanted to be with. You wanted to be, to live life with us. Thank you. Thank you, God. May you know that God is always with you. May you know that you have victory in him. And, and may you know that you've been shown the way and that you have direct access to God. 
may you know that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Amen and amen. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.